How many of y'all got this email that said, I heard God's voice this week? Any of y'all? Okay. Um, when somebody says that, does, this, does that kind of feel a little bit weird to you? You know, the Lord told me, the Lord said, God, God spoke to me. Uh, I know that sometimes it does come across a, a little bit weird, and we know some people that they said, God told me, and then they do something cruel, or God's voice came, and we know wars have gotten started, but... Sometimes God spoke to people and good things happened and it's a little bit difficult sometimes for us to sort things out. Well, God spoke to me. God said, I heard God's voice. True story, just a few months ago, actually it was back in January of this year, a judge down in New Braunfels, Texas, came back to the jury. There was a jury trial and he came back to the jury and said, God told me that the accused is innocent. And then the jury said, no, he's guilty or she's guilty. It was the person, the person who was on trial was a woman. And so you kind of go, okay, that's a little weird for a judge to do that. Was he right? Was he wrong? Was the jury wrong? I, I don't know. A lot of weird thoughts or impressions surrounding this God told me or God spoke or I heard his voice. And yet, at the same time, straightforwardly, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Among other things, what we get out of this verse is real simple. It should be a normal, routine, everyday kind of experience for you to hear his voice. Because if you're his sheep, you hear his voice, and you follow him. Now, before we get into this, Let's go ahead and memorize this verse. We've been in this series for a while where we've just been taking some favorite verses. And so here's another favorite, very common verse that people have memorized. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Okay, let's do this. We're going to do it in rounds. One, two, three. You ready? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. All right. My she sheep... Well, I just got off on the... What section was I on? Okay. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. All right, one more time. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Okay, all together. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If you're a follower of Jesus, these two distinguishing characteristics ought to be true of you. You hear his voice, and you follow him. And I tell you what, as your pastor, I, I really want you to be able to hear your shepherd's voice and follow him because in the year ahead, really for the rest of your life, there are going to be some moments that come where you're going to go, do I turn to the right or do I turn to the left or do I halt, do I wait, do I press forward? But it's not just the decisions. There are going to be some broken world moments that happen. And in those moments, you need a word of healing. You need a word of comfort. You need the shepherd to speak some affirmation to you. Because I can tell you this, if you go through this world, a sheep without a shepherd is not easy. And it's not just not easy for you. The shepherd ultimately won't be glorified. Because what shepherd ever is glorified when the sheep scatter in a hundred different directions? So for the sake of Jesus and for your sake, what I really want is for you to hear his voice and follow him. Now, what does this mean? 
Well, we're going to try to answer a lot of questions here because there's a lot of confusion, and maybe there's some confused people who say, I heard God say, or I heard his voice, and, and maybe they really didn't. And so we're going to kind of cover a lot of ground, I think, rather quickly. And the, the first question, I think, that comes up with regards to hearing God's voice is, if I've heard God's voice, does that mean that when I follow his voice, things work out? And what people typically mean is, if I follow his voice, aren't things going to get better? Because if I've actually heard his voice and followed his voice, don't circumstances kind of come together? Doesn't everything just sort of work together for me? And, and the answer is, well, not exactly. Let's stick with the Good Shepherd theme. There is this Good Shepherd passage in the Old Testament. You know, it's a pretty familiar one. It's Psalm 23. We read this a lot at funerals. And here's what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, res- he leads me beside still waters. And we go, well, that's fantastic. As a sheep, I want to be in the green pastures. I want to be led beside still waters. It's fantastic. This is sheep heaven. And then he says, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And that's always going to happen. Your soul, soul gets restored. He always leads you in the path of righteousness. Why? Because as a sheep, you exist for the shepherd. It's all about his name. Now, the shepherd is all wrapped up in you as the sheep, but as the sheep, you're all wrapped up in the shepherd because you are not your own shepherd. You are not your own everything. He's your everything, and you want his name to be glorified. Then look at what happens next. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's not such a pleasant place. But the sheep that has been led to the greener pastures and that has been led beside still waters here is being led through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes when you follow his voice, it's green pastures and still water. Sometimes when you follow his voice, there's a valley or shadow or death or all of the above kind of interesting a week or two ago we were talking about faith and hebrews chapter 11 is the great faith chapter toward the end of hebrews 11 the author is talking about people of faith people have who have heard the shepherd's voice and who followed the voice and here's what it says in verses 33 and 34 by faith these people overthrew kingdoms shut the mouths of lions quenched the flames of fire escaped death put whole armies to flight Woo! that's what i'm talking about but then look at the next few verses But others were tortured, were jeered at, their backs were cut open with whips, were chained in prisons, died by stoning, killed with the sword, were destitute and oppressed and mistreated, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Then the author of Hebrews says, of both of these groups, both of these groups who heard the voice and followed the voice, all these people, people in group one and people in group two, earned a good reputation because of their faith. Now, here's my question to you. What group do you want to be a part of? Do you want to be a part of group one or a part of group two? I'm for group one. I don't know why y'all are so slow on that. You know, it's like, are you awake? No, I don't want to be in group two. But what I want doesn't necessarily always come to pass because I'm not my own shepherd. Sometimes he leads and, you know, armies are taken down because... You're Samson-esque in your ability. And then at other times, you're hiding in a hole in the ground. On both occasions, he's restoring your soul. On both occasions, he's leading you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake that he ultimately would be glorified. But sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. 
And the whole point of this is real simple. You cannot judge your having followed the voice of God or having not followed the voice of God on the basis of pleasant circumstances that you are experiencing or will be experiencing or the lack thereof. You go through the Bible like in Daniel. In Daniel uh, chapter 1, Daniel basically follows the voice of God. He hears the voice of God and consequently he gets elevated. He gets given this position of prominence. He gains favor with the king. And then the very next story concerning Daniel, Daniel's following the voice of the Lord into the lion's den. The, the point is real simple. You following the voice of God and hearing the voice of God or you not hearing the voice of God and not following God has nothing to do with positive circumstances or the lack thereof. It's something different. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I think I'm a sheep, but I haven't heard the voice of God lately. What's going on with me? Well, that's a good question. Sometimes we go through these periods where it feels like maybe I'm not hearing the voice of God. And if you're not, you need to be aware that there are two basic barriers to you hearing the voice of God. And and these shouldn't be a surprise to you because the barriers to you hearing God's voice are basically the same as the barriers that you and I experience relationally uh, with regards to relational difficulties. Number one, one reason that we oftentimes do not hear God's voice, just simply put, is busyness or speed. You, you cannot do relationships well at speed. There's this uh, wonderful verse that's going to make some of you cringe. It's over in Psalm 37. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently on Him. And some of you are thinking, well, if I were a patient person and a still person, I wouldn't have moved to Central Texas. I would have stayed in West Texas. Or I'd move to Fargo, North Dakota. And I just don't want to be still and be patient and focused. But the reality is you can't do relationships with speed. Not really, not at speed with people. For example, let's say you're going out the back door and maybe your spouse catches you and he or she has something important to say. And you know how it is sometimes in these moments or your mind is elsewhere and the person starts saying something and you say verbally or non-verbally or both, hurry it up. You know, get to the point. I'm in a hurry. What happens? How does your spouse respond? Some of you are smiling in the front row and yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I do marital counseling. Um, you know what happens? You know what happens when you tell the spouse who's trying to have a moment with you, hurry up. You know, get with it. I already got the point. They give you nonverbal communication. They give you sign language that you understand, and then they walk away, and then you kind of get angry. And, and why, what happens? Why? They, they, ought, they ought to communicate to you that they're really put off with you trying to rush this conversation and rush them through. You know why? You can't do relationships at speed you just can't do it i know a lot of times we want to because we live in a very busy noisy kind of world but you can't really do an authentic relationship with somebody at speed it takes a moment to make a moment and it doesn't have to be a long moment with people but there has to be a moment it has to be a focused moment and what happens with regards to our relationship with other people it's also true with God. It may not have to be a long moment, but there needs to be a focused moment. And so why in the world would we not give a focused moment to God? It's probably not because there's something wrong with God. There's likely something wrong with us. 
And I pretty much came to this conclusion a long time ago. If I go through a season in my life where I'm just not hearing from God, I'm pretty sure that's not on God. I'm, you know, 75% sure. No, I'm 100% sure. If I'm not hearing from the Lord, it's not the Lord's fault. That would be mine. So sometimes there's a barrier of busyness, but sometimes there's a barrier, just plainly put, of closed ears. Oftentimes you'll hear Jesus saying, He who has ears, let him hear. But the one who has ears, let him hear. Why is Jesus saying this? Because Jesus knows oftentimes people are not going to hear because they don't want to hear. Why would you not want to hear? Because people don't want to hear what they don't want to hear, and that's why we don't even listen in the first place, because we don't want to hear. When you are your own shepherd, when you are your own everything, you're not really that interested in hearing what somebody else has to say, even if the claim legitimately is that they're your good shepherd. One of the most chilling verses in all the Bible is over in Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. When people don't want to hear or they don't want to hear, they just don't hear. And uh, just making it real simple, some of you, unfortunately, you've got someone in your family who's just a classic narcissist, or maybe you've worked with somebody who is a, a narcissist, and you know to the degree that that person is wrapped up in themselves, to the degree that they are legitimately a narcissist, they can't hear. You can tell them what the issue is, and they don't get it. They could be in your employee, and you tell them, you need to make this adjustment, and they can't make the adjustment. And they say, I'm going to write you up for this. And then you write them up, and here's going to be the consequences. And you might go back and forth three or four times saying exactly the same thing, and they don't get it. Why? Because it doesn't fit with their self-perception that in some respect or another, they're all right. And the problem is everybody else. And if uh, you have problems with everybody in your life, well, then the common denominator is you, by the way. Sorry. Some of us, we've got closed ears. And so we don't want to hear. And that's probably tied into the reality of why you don't want to spend any focused time with him. It's not just that you're busy. The reason you feel like you're too busy to actually give a focused moment to your good shepherd is because deep down inside, you're not really interested in hearing what it is that your good shepherd would have you to hear. Because we're fine oftentimes with being our good shepherds. It's amazing how often people will make decisions, Christians, without prayer, without consulting the word, without getting godly advice, without even slowing down long enough to give a focused moment to the good shepherd. If you're not hearing, it may be because in a way that is hard to acknowledge, your ears are just closed. And that's why you're not hearing because you're not listening. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for hear and obey is actually one and the same. Why are you not hearing? Because you're not interested in obeying in the first place. That's why you wouldn't want to hear. Every once in a while, I, I used to run into this a little bit more frequently when I was in South Texas. I pastored a church that was, you know, my, it had, a, 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 I don't know, I don't mean to be unkind, but it had a certain number of uh, people that were somewhat charismatic. 
And I love charismatics. I kind of feel like I am one to some degree or another. But on occasion, I would have people say, you know, the Lord told me to tell you, or the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that. And I'm just thinking, you know, I'm not so sure that you're hearing the Lord. Because if you're living in disobedience to the revealed will of God that you've already received, you're not in a position to be hearing any more than what God has already explained to you. What I mean to say is if you are living in disobedience to what God's already revealed to you, don't expect for him to be saying, turn left, turn right, turn left, turn right, because there's something fundamentally closed-eared about your heart that you're not living in obedience to what's been already revealed. What are the barriers? It's real simple. Too busy for the center of the universe and the one around whom my life revolves. And I'm just not really that interested in hearing what it is that God would have to say to me. Of course you're not hearing. Your heart isn't in the appropriate position to hear what it is that he's saying. Now, God does speak, and he speaks with incredible power. I mean, it's hard to deny. You go to Genesis chapter 1, and the very first time that God speaks, he says, let there be light, and boom, you know, there's light, and immediately there's art, and there's beauty, and, of course, there's photosynthesis, and there's life, and, and everything wonderful in terms of communications comes largely through light like, you know, fiber optics and telecommunications and all the rest of it. It's just amazing. God speaks and is so. But when it comes to the voice of God, it's not just the power that is so impressive and what we need so much. It's his love. Every once in a while, I do kind of run into people who say, I'm not so sure about church or the Bible and Christianity and all that stuff. And deep down inside, the reason that they don't want to hear the voice of God is because they feel like, well, if God spoke to me, there would just be judgment and condemnation and all the rest. And And I just want to do this with people every once in a while. Say, wait a second. God in his very essence is love. Why are you afraid to hear love speak truth into your life? In our society, a lot of people are very excited about Jesus. People are thumbs up on Jesus, not so big on church. Here's what the Bible says concerning Jesus being the very voice of God. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. And what I want to let people know is Jesus Christ is the Word of God made flesh. He's the fullness of the revelation of God right there in front of us in Jesus Christ. So if you're big on Jesus, you ought to be real big on hearing what it is that God would have to say to you because whatever God says to you, whatever comes from His mouth to your ears is never going to be in contradiction with Jesus Christ. So don't be afraid. You actually need this. Because God is not all about just right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left. You need to hear these voices of affirmation. You need to hear this word, not just of conviction, but this word of life, because the conviction always brings you to life. So you want to hear. Okay, so how do you hear? This is very classic. There are three basic ways whereby God's voice is plainly known to you and to me. And I'm not making this up. This is just kind of historical, and there might be a few other things that people debate on a little bit, but there, these three things you can take to the bank. Number one, God speaks specifically through the record of his revelation, the, the Scripture, the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit, carrying people along to write down exactly what it is that the Holy Spirit wanted them to write. You go to the Bible. That's the voice of God. That's the Holy Spirit giving us something in writing. Now, we could spend some time on that, but, you know, this is church, and you already know, yeah, yeah, the Bible's true and all the rest. So let me just talk to you along these lines. How many of you have, have one of these? Okay, half of us. Great, fantastic. I need to go to the Benevolence Fund. Some of you, you need one. Um, you know, I know that some of us, you know, maybe as, as young, I guess, as eight, some people, I just think that's a little early, but you've got, you've got one of these. What do you use this for? Do you use it mainly for talking? How many of you use your phone 
primarily for talking. Primarily. All right, good job. We got like six of us in this room. Fantastic. The rest of us, you know what you do with this phone. You know how you communicate. It's via text. And, the, you know, the interesting thing about, about texting is, you know, you could be sitting there. I, I go into a restaurant, and you look around, and half the people, you know, they're doing this on their phone. And, and I'm not making fun. You know, that's fine. And some of you, you, you text even in the service, and that's okay because I know what you're texting. You're saying, Ernest has a really great message. I wish you were here and uh, stuff like that. And, and so that, that's fine. But people text, and, and here's what's kind of interesting. When you're in the middle of a conversation with somebody, and, and, and then you get a text or they get a text, commonly you'll at least do this. And I do this because I'm, I'm thinking maybe it's somebody, you know, really important, like, like my wife or my kids. I will, you know respond if it's an emergency in those situations but you know you'll be in the middle of a, of a conversation an engaging conversation with an engaging person and you get a text or this other person gets a text and then you know immediately they're they're, they're looking at their phone and, and and half the time it doesn't matter if it's a personal conversation that you're having half the time it doesn't matter where you are you're going to get a text and uh, they're going to they're going to oh shoot sorry I just got a text from John. Good job. Great sermon. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. doesn't matter even if you're in church. You get a text. and you, I'm just kind of kidding around with you. You get a text and you have to respond. Uh, and, and the thing about texting, too, is it's got its kind of unique language, right? Uh, I'm just, just to test some of you guys. Goodness, John, cut it out. Stop. Uh, it's got a, we've got a unique language here. Uh, let me just kind of test your text knowledge. LOL, you know what that is? We have that, LOL. Laughing out loud. Uh, we got another one. TMI. Too much information, okay. MYOB. MYOB. Mind your own business. Some of us were just too kind to even know what that means. Um, XOXO. Hugs and kisses. TTYL. Talk to you later. EPGM. Oh, come on. EPGM. Does anybody know what that is? Ernest preaches great messages. Exactly. Yes. Some of you immediately, you're texting, I wish you were here, EPGM. And they're going, what? You know. Okay, now here, okay, and now in all seriousness, here's what happens. You get the text. Here's what I've never seen. I've never seen somebody get a text and go, oh, I hate to read. Or, oh, I don't know what that means. I'm just too lazy to Google or respond and ask, what does that mean? I just, I'm not going to look that up in Wikipedia. I just hate to read and I hate to look things up. Nobody ever does that when they're getting a text. Okay, so now God sent us a text. And then I hear people go, oh, I just hate to read. Oh, that, that language there is kind of hard. Really? Okay, come on. You can use this phone to Google. You can come to something that, oh, I'm just not really sure about that. Wikipedia. It might not be entirely accurate, but that's okay. It'll move you in the right direction. I just don't like to read. It's just too hard. The Bible's too hard. Well, I know the Bible sometimes is hard, but the hard time that we have with the Bible is not really with the parts that we don't understand. It's the parts that we do understand that really kind of get to us, to be honest. But on occasion, you may not understand. So, oh, this is too hard to read. I'll tell you what's hard. What's hard is making decisions in your teens, 20s, or 30s 
And then you're suffering the consequences into your 50s, 60s, 70s, or all the way into the point of death. That's what's kind of hard. Oh, I just don't like to read. It's just, you know, language too hard. Really. I'll tell you what's hard. What's hard is going through life a sheep without a shepherd. There's a wonderful passage. This is over in the, the book of Psalms, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know what's hard? Walking in darkness. Walking in light is easy. So one, you, you hear God's voice simply by, you know, reading the Bible. And then number two, it's the Holy Spirit. Another way in which you hear the voice of God is the Holy Spirit testifying to your spirit. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children, and if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now, some of you are saying, I don't know, why do I need the Holy Spirit to testify to my spirit that I'm a child of God, that I'm an heir of God, that I'm a co-heir with Christ Jesus? Why do I need that? Because the Bible just told me so. I don't need the Holy Spirit to tell me that. I just read it. Well, that's a good point. It's a good point. Here, here, here though, is the counter-argument or the clarification. Sometimes... You get the truth on one level, but you need help or assistance in pressing it down to where it needs to be. Or put it a little bit differently. Someone once wrote along these lines, maybe this is based on research or conjecture, I don't know, but it's generally true that 7% of what we get in terms of communication is the text. 38% of what we get in communication is the, the vocalizations. It's not just what you say, but how you say it. And 55% is the body language. I think along these lines that when the Holy Spirit takes these truths, that you're a child of God, that you're an heir of God, that you're a co-heir with Christ Jesus, when the Holy Spirit speaks to your spirit these truths, he's giving you the, the tone and the body language. You need the Holy Spirit to be testifying these things to you. The Spirit can speak to your spirit and can speak to your spirit directly in a way that is a little bit hard to comprehend, but is still comprehensible. Let me put it to you like this. Right now in this communication moment, I'm giving you words, and, and what I'm doing is I'm taking ideas, thoughts, notions, impressions, I'm wrapping them up with words, and then you hear the words, and you take the words, and you deconstruct what it is that I'm saying to you. And so there's a lot of things that may happen or go astray in the communication event. Maybe I've got connotations or denotations to the words that you don't necessarily share with me because you're playing a different language game. You've got a different experience factor. And so some of what I say isn't translating real well, even though we're using English. But that basic, so it's kind of a little, it's kind of a little clunky, actually, communication verbally. It's not bad. It's just kind of clunky. But what if God takes his thoughts and his ideas and speaks those thoughts and your ideas straight to you, spirit to spirit? You say, well, could that really happen? Well, of course it could. Why not? Sure. You ever have those occasions where you just go, you know, the Lord told me, or I just had this impression, or I just knew I was supposed to do this. And it was just a thought. And you say, well, how can I tell the difference between what God is saying to me and what Satan's saying to me? Listen, if as a Christian you can't tell the difference between God's voice and Satan's voice, I got nothing for you, okay? The Spirit speaks to Spirit. God gives us His Word. God has given us His Holy Spirit. And God has also given us Christian community as a grander context. God speaks to us largely through godly wisdom. Uh, we, too, we do tend to be kind of independent about the way in which we operate and hearing God's voice, but 
That's just not shared in the Old Testament or the New Testament for that matter. You go over to uh, Proverbs, for example. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Or Proverbs 20, verse 18. With those who take advice is wisdom. So, listen. As you're reading the text, which is inspired by God, given to us by the Holy Spirit, and as the Holy Spirit is giving the, the tone and the body language, as the Spirit is speaking to your spirit, and as you're doing this in the context with other godly people who are reading the Word and are being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, who are giving God the time of day, giving Him the focused attention, while also living obedient lives because their ears are open, when all of this is happening together, you hear God's voice. And you hear His voice with confidence. And again, when God speaks, it's not just about go right, go right, go left, go left. There's so much more to it. You need the affirmation and the encouragement and the strengthening and the empowerment that comes from God's voice or you are not going to make it in this world. It's just you're not and God is not going to be glorified. Jesus on another occasion over in Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8 is talking about how he wants us to spend time with him and to not quit. Specifically over there it says... That, that Jesus said, I want to give you this parable so that you will always pray and never give up. And in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, prayer was more than simply telling God things that you wanted. It's about spending time with Him. Yes, there are petitions that happen in the midst of prayer, but that's only a small part of prayer. Jesus says, I want you to spend time with me, and I don't want you to quit. I don't want you to stop. I don't want you to ever give up. So let me tell you a story that's going to inspire you. And here's the story. Here's the parable. Parables, as most of us know, they're, they're stories that aren't necessarily factually, historically accurate, but are 100% true. Okay, And here's the story Jesus tells to help us to always spend time with him and not quit. He says there was this widow, and she was the victim of injustice. And so as a widow, she didn't have any recourse because she's a widow. She's forgotten. She's forsaken. She's marginalized. So she has one thing that she can do. She can go to the judge, and a good judge, as you know, is... If they care about justice and they care about people. But this judge doesn't care about justice and he doesn't care about people. And so this widow goes to the judge and says, give me justice. And the judge says, what's in it for me? Nothing. You're just a widow. I don't care about you and I don't care about what's right. I don't care about justice. Get out of here. And so the widow, of course, is feeling very down. But then she grits her teeth and clenches her fists and says, I'm going to be all over that judge like peanut butter on bread. And so when he wakes up in the morning, I'm going to be there saying, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. And, and when he goes home from work, I'm going to be there. And when he's at work, I'm going to be outside the window just shouting at him, give me justice, give me, give me what is right. You've got to help me, you've got to help me, you've got to help me. And I'm not asking for a favor. I'm just asking for what's right. I'm just asking for what you minimally should be doing as a judge. And eventually, the judge gets tired of her. And he turns to the bailiff and says, you give her whatever she wants because I'm sick of dealing with this crazy widow. And that's the story that Jesus tells to inspire you and me to always pray and never give up. And the moral of the story apparently is it pays to pester God because you're just a widow, right? You're for, forgotten and forsaken and nobody care less about you and, and God's just this uncaring judge. And if you ever want to get through to him, you better grit your teeth and clench your fists and go for it because he's really busy dealing with a great big universe and your problems mean nothing to him. And so you better be really, really serious and really, really you know, passionate and then eventually, finally, you're going to get out of his clenched, unkind fist that's attached to a Scrooge-like heart. You're going to get something. And that's the moral of the story. Does that inspire you? Well, actually, that's not the moral of the story. That Jesus tells that story to say, look, 
A widow does that with an unjust judge, and she still stays after it. But God's not an unjust judge, and you're not a widow. In fact, not only are you not forsaken and forgotten, you're his child. And he's not unjust and uncaring. Actually, here's, here's what he is. Jesus is your good shepherd. And you're a sheep. And as a sheep who understands the good shepherd, here's what you do. You hear his voice. First of all, you, you hear his voice. And then you follow him. Let me tell you how good the shepherd is and how much you can trust him as the sheep. A fine shepherd is going to risk his life for the sheep. That's true. Maybe a snake comes along, a serpent, venomous, maybe some wolves, and they take that rod and flick the snake aside or beat the wolves. They never beat the sheep with the rod, by the way. Your good shepherd risks his life for you, but actually he's even better than that. A good shepherd will actually die for a sheep, and this good shepherd is so good that he lays down his life of his own accord in a way that no other shepherd possibly could for his sheep. In this, this passage, remember the, the verse is chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Ten verses earlier, Jesus says this. I lay down my life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. Jesus Christ is the only shepherd who could possibly, in the fullest sense, lay down his life for us. Let me, let me explain what I mean. I, I'm a shepherd, you know, I'm a pastor, and let's just say that actually after church... You're, you're crossing the street, and there's a bus coming full speed at you, and I heroically jump and push you out of the way, and I get run over. And then there's this wonderful funeral, and it's so good. I'm sorry I missed it. Uh, but Because I was the good shepherd. Well, not really. Not like Jesus. Not at all. Because I can't lay my life down of my own accord. Not in the fullest sense. Because I'm already under the death sentence. I could choose for any of you to lay it down prematurely to give you a little bit more time while I took a little less time. But actually right now the Bible says I'm under a death sentence because the wages of sin is death. Speaking of sheep, you go back over to Isaiah 56. It says all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. But fortunately for you and me, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. But I'm a sheep like you're a sheep and we've gone astray and we're on death row. Now I could choose to die prematurely or a little, little before what I would think would be my time so you would have a little bit more time but death is already coming for me death's already coming for you for Jesus death was not coming for him he lived the perfect life he's the only one who loved the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind and strength and loved his neighbor as himself and so for Jesus death was not coming for him Jesus in the fullest sense had to come for death of his own accord, in the fullest sense, our good shepherd laid down his life for us. That's the shepherd you have. And when we come to the table, we remember the sacrifice of our good shepherd and that we are privileged to be his sheep. Now, in light of that, here's my question. Why wouldn't we give our good shepherd some focused moments? Why would we not keep our hearts open and our ears open to our good shepherd? I can't think of one good reason. Let's bow for a word of prayer. 
Father, you are good, and we thank you for speaking, and you've spoken most clearly through your Son, and we see and remember in your Son the extent of your love. We see that you have provided everything we need. In your Son, you laid down your life of your own accord. Death wasn't coming for you. You came for death, and you did it for the likes of us. We are privileged to have such a shepherd. So help us, Lord, as our sheep to remember our sheepfulness. (laughs) We are not qualified to be our own everything. We are not qualified to go through this life without a shepherd. So, Lord, forgive us those times when we have not given you our focused attention. Forgive us our, our tendencies to just do life on our own, in our own way, in our own strength. Lord, forgive us for forgetting that you are our good shepherd. And help us, Lord, in this moment as we remember the body that was broken and the blood that was shed. Help us in this moment to to truly repent. Not that we would be beaten down, but that we would go out from this place fully confident that you still speak. And when you speak, we can embrace your words because you are our good shepherd. We pray all of this in Christ's holy name. Amen.